0: Chapter 44 of The Pioneers by Catherine Susanna Pritchard This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. Connell was early astir. Deirdre heard him moving in the kitchen and then out of doors. When he came in again, she had spread a cloth on the end of the table. Bacon and eggs were spluttering in a shallow pan on the hearth. A pot of porridge was ready for him, the kettle steaming. Connell's face was sombre, It was easy to see that he had not slept and that his mind was set to a plan of action. He ate without speaking and got up to go. Ginger was standing saddled by the door, her reins trailing beside her. She cropped the young grass that showed vivid green blades about the water-barrel and was nourished by the drips from the roof spouts and leakages from the barrel itself. Deirdre heard the click-click of Ginger's snaffle, the chirping of young birds under the roof, while Conal was eating there was a solemnity a wrapped-up purposefulness about him this morning she dared not ask him what he was going to do it was a fresh morning with frost in the air a sparkling rime lay out on the grass in the paddocks and spread under the struggling shades of the sheds and the stables in crisp white patches the sunshine splashed golden over the hills it lay in long shafts of purest brilliance on the paddocks and across the stable yard connell went out of doors Deirdre followed him. Conal, she cried. There was appeal in her voice. He had gathered Ginger's reins in his hand. The mare turned her head, her great beautiful eyes on Deirdre. It's no good your saying anything, Deirdre. Telling me what to do and what not to do, Conal said roughly. I've thought it all out. I know what's got to be done. I'll do it the best way I can. He understood the prayer of her eyes. Do you think I want his blood on my hands? he asked irritably but he's got to let you go deirdre he's got to there's no two ways about it and if he says a word about the schoolmaster or steve he'll have to reckon with me then and the reckoning'll be a short one that's the bargain i'm going to make with him and i'll hold him responsible if ever the story gets out he'll pay all the same and i'll swear that on the soul of my mother do you think my life's worth a straw to me Do you think, if it is a question of yours and Dan's life against McNabb's, I can hesitate? He threw back his head with the old reckless movement. Not much. Lord, I'd take what was comin' to me cheerin', if I thought I'd put things right for the schoolmaster and you. But if a knockin' about'll do Thad any good instead, he's welcome to it. If I can get what I want out of him with a scarin', there'll be no need to go further. If I promise him on the reddest oath under the sun, and he's pretty sure I mean it, "'It'll do instead, perhaps. "'But I'm not taking any chances of his tricking me. "'I can't afford to take chances, Deirdre. "'If I don't feel I've got him that way—' "'She knew what he meant. "'It'll be a long day till you're back, Conal,' she said. "'He swung into his saddle and went out to the road. "'She watched the bay with her long easy stride "'and Conal swinging above her till the trees hid them. "'There was no doubt in her mind "'that when Conal let his tongue loose, unleashed the rage in him mcnab would do what he wanted Connell was not known as fighting Connell for nothing and he was credited with being a man of his word reckless and daredevil as he was none knew better than mcnab that he cared neither for god nor man when his blood was up and that he would assuredly do as he said though the heavens fell everybody knew the cringing coward mcnab was more than one of the men he had sold had threatened to wipe off old scores without leave or licence a threat more or less might not have mattered but each one intensified mcnab's terror of the clutch of iron finger in the night the swift blade of a knife the short bark of a pistol it was easy to scare steve with the clank of a chain but the click of a pistol behind mcnab turned him livid a greenish hue spread on his face deirdre knew the frenzy of mcnab's fear but she knew too his shrewd brain while conal was there he would dominate convert him into the shaking shrieking thing mcnab became when the fear of violence or a violent death took possession of him but afterwards when conal was gone his brain would get to work that cunning brain of his quickened by a sense of his injuries and his spluttering passionate fear and hate of the man who had humiliated and thwarted him deirdre wondered how it would fare with conal then whether McNab would outwit him. He would try. He was made that way, McNab, to scheme out of holes and corners. If Connor would have to reckon with him in the end, she realised that it would have been better to let the reckoning be now, before any further mischief was done. Yet her mind shuddered at the thought. She knew that she had meant to delay it. When Steve came shambling into the yard, blinking at the sunlight, she told him that Conal had returned, and that he had gone down to the Black Bull, but would be back by the evening. He exclaimed all the morning about Conal's coming, and had a thousand questions to ask. Where had Conal been? What had he been doing? Why was it he had gone off the way he did without saying a word to anybody? All of which Deirdre had not thought to ask. But they talked about Conal all the morning. Steve came in from cutting ferns for the cow shed, to ask if Conal was going to stay long. "'What was he going to do? "'Was he going up to the trial? "'Had she told him what McNabb had said to them?' "'Deirdre wanted to be very busy all day, "'so that the time would not seem long till Connell returned. "'Steve, with his questions, "'made a little current of joyous excitement. Ordinarily the days were very still and empty. "'She swept and dusted, cooked their food, "'washed the dishes and sewed, "'with latterly only anxious thoughts to occupy her mind. "'How is he looking?' Conal, Steve asked, coming to the door when she was beating cream into butter in a Delft bowl. He had come in as the idea for a new question occurred to him. "'Oh, well,' she said, "'but he'd been riding hard and was tired out. I think he's a bit thinner than he used to be, and he was awfully hungry.' "'You gave him a drop of grog?' he asked anxiously. Deirdre nodded. "'He was wet through. I thought he'd have his death of cold to-day.' but he was all right this morning oh yes where did he come from she shook her head hadn't you better finish laying down the ferns she said he may be back sooner than we think and then you'll want to talk to him oh yes he shuffled out of doors again a moment later he put his head in the window his shabby drooping hat was outlined against the blank of sunshine his face looked in at her under the shadow of his hat bright with a question "'What did he go to the worry for, Deirdre?' "'Oh,' she hesitated. "'He wanted to see McNab. "'Why?' Steve chewed the cud of a wondering thought. "'Why did he want to see McNab, Deirdre?' "'He'll tell you when he comes,' she said. The bare kitchen had the musky, warm smell of newly-baked bread and of curdy sweet buttermilk by the afternoon. Deirdre had made bread and new butter for Connell, she had prepared a good meal for him when he came home in the evening after she had scrubbed the wooden table until it was of a weathered whiteness and redded the bricks round the hearth she looked about for other household tasks to work at so that the day would seem shorter it was late in the afternoon when she brushed her hair twisted it up anew put on a fresh frock and sat down to sew until conal came steve went out to the road every now and then to see if there were any signs of him Deirdre glanced at the shadows the trees cast she dared not expect Conal before sunset her needle flew in and out of a piece of stiff unbleached linen mrs Cameron had given her some time ago she thought of her when she was afraid to think of Conal and what was happening in Wirreeford the sun sank behind the distant line of hills and the jackasses on the high branches of the trees by the road laughed their good night to the sun she could not restrain her impatience any longer and went to the road her eyes strained to see conal and his bay horse forging out of the gloom that was beginning to gather among the trees hanging mysterious impalpable veils across the ends of the track where the trees met over it and dwindled into a wavering thread she lay down by the roadside and pressed her ear to the earth to listen for the sound of hoof-beats but only the forest murmurs came to her the moan of the wind in the valleys the leafy murmur of the trees the creaking of broken and swaying branches, the faint calling of birds, all confused and mingled in a vague wave of sound. The last hoot-hoot of the jackasses in the misty depths of the hills drifted across the quiet evening air. The cows had gathered against the paddock fence and were lowing plaintively for the evening milking. Deirdre drove them into the yard and milked. When she had taken the pails indoors, she went again to the road, gazed down into the darkness that had now gathered over the track, and listened for the rapid beat of hoofs on the road. A glimmer of light in the shanty windows told Deirdre that Steve had lighted up. He came to the door. "Connell's late, Deirdre,' he called. "'Yes,' she replied. She stood there quite still, staring down the road. "'What do you think can have kept him?' Steve had come out and was standing beside her. Her face was very wan to his old eyes, her dark hair blue in tendrils about it. I don't know. She saw the anxiety start in his eyes. Oh, it's all right. She took his arm and they went towards the house again. He'll be having a game of cards with the boys. It's too soon to expect him, that's all. We'll go in and have supper. She spread the table and put out the hot dinner she had made for Connell. Steve's hunger increased at the savoury smell of it and because it was later than they usually had their meal he ate steadily and with ready relish deirdre sat down at the table with him aren't you going to have anything he asked when he saw that she was not eating i'll wait for conal she said steve dozed in his chair afterwards the night that closed in on the forest was of a soft thick darkness deirdre stood in the doorway looking out into it for a while not a star hung its silver lamp over the hills The wind crept with slow, uncertain breaths about the shanty. She shut the door. She carried her work-basket with the socks that she had been mending the night before to the table, but she could not work. Her hands would not stir. She sat listening, listening, listening. Steve had taken out his pipe and sucked it, nodding in his chair by the fire. His teeth relaxed to their grip as he dozed. The pipe fell on the floor. Deirdre started to her feet as a sound broke the stillness. It wakened him too. He stared stupidly about him with sleep-dazed eyes. "'What's that?' he asked. "'Has Conal come yet?' "'No,' she said, picking up the pipe. "'Perhaps you'd better not wait up for him.' "'Yes, yes,' he muttered testily. "'Of course I'll wait.' He sank back into his chair and presently was sleeping again deirdre went back to the table and sat there staring before her listening fixedly hour after hour went by a quick breath crossed her lips she ran to the door and threw it open a gust of wind rushed into the room and it brought the sound of a horse on the road she slammed the door and went back to the hearth raked the embers and pulled back the logs so that it fell with a shower of sparks and the flames leapt up over the new wood she moved the pots with conal's dinner in them nearer the fire and opening the door again stood by it waiting ginger swung round the corner and conal on her he was riding low huddled against her neck the way he dropped from the saddle drove the breath from deirdre's body he threw out his arms and staggered forward he would have fallen if she had not been there to hold him she dragged him indoors leaning against her steve steve she called the old man was beside her in an instant Connell had fallen, his legs crumpling up under him. There was a stain of blood on his clothes. Deirdre tore them from the place where the blood welled. She put the brandy Steve brought to Connell's lips, and sent Steve for water and rags, telling him where to find the soft scraps she kept together for burns or cuts. It's like the wound Davy had, Steve cried, when he saw the way the flesh was ploughed up on Connell's breast. Only nearer the heart. Connell moaned as the cold water struck him a damp sweat lay on his forehead it's all up i'm done for he muttered give me your hand deirdre never never thought i'd reached you but i couldn't die there in the dark down by the creek his voice failed don't try to talk conal dear she begged you'll be all right if you keep quiet lie still Davy was but there was a greyness about conal's face a dimness that Davies had not had. Davy, he muttered. Davy... His eyes opened. They were the wild, bright eyes, reckless and challenging, of fighting Conal. You... Believe I shot Davy? No, Deirdre bent over him, her breath coming sobbingly. I don't believe it now, Conal. The same hands that did this to you did it to Davy, too. A damn whisper and slug in the dark he gasped it was by the culvert over the creek too from the cover of the trees and i know whose hand it was i saw the slinking hound by god why did i let him off why did i think i'd got him tight enough he sank back against her arm with a spasm of pain she put the spirit to his lips if only i'd choked the life out of him i could die easy but the mare bolted i couldn't get her back to him the lying cur. The bargain was made. I thought I'd got him, that he'd have made over his last penny to me. Someone kept me talking outside the bull. It was that kid minds his horses, saying that Ginger had gone lame. And the next thing was a shot from the creek and McNab scuttling among the trees. Poor! he moved impatiently. Why didn't I do for him while I had the chance? Superhuman strength! Animating him for a moment, he struggled up, his swart face stiffening, his eyes flashing. "'I can! I'm alive yet! I can, Deirdre!' He swayed and she caught him, breaking the shock of his fall backwards. Blood welled from the opened wound. The wet pads had staunched the flow for a moment. Steve brought more water. She dipped fresh linen and rags in it and bound them into place. Conal lay heavy and still, she bent over him. Her eyes turned questioningly to Steve. She lifted Conal's head on to her knees. The silence was unbroken. "'Conal,' she whispered, as though she were calling him. "'Conal—that you, Deirdre?' he asked huskily, but he did not open his eyes. "'If—if if you could—kiss me. It's so hard to go, feeling you near, and that you don't care for me at all.' If only I hadn't failed you, this time. If only... But it was because of you I didn't want to kill him, unless... Unless it was necessary. It seemed all right, the other way. You won't think badly of me, Deirdre. No, no, Conal dear, but don't try to talk now. I've been hard on you, Deirdre. But you won't think ill of me. It's the way men are made. And I didn't understand how it was with you and Davy not till that night in the hut if i hadn't brought trouble between you-you might forgive me Conal, Conal, Deirdre sobbed, the tears streaming over her face, you're dear to me yourself, dear in your own way, haven't you always been? And I haven't been good to you, always. My heart's breaking to hear you talk like this. She bent over and kissed him. Conal opened his eyes-the mellow light of serene happiness had drifted into them. They rested on her face, as though they were loath to leave it. His long fingers were knotted about her hands. "'I'm happier than I ever was in my life, Deirdre, darling,' he whispered. She had to stoop over him to catch the words on his lips, so faint and hoarsely uttered they were, as though the thoughts left him without his lips having power to form them. "'Never expected to put my head on your knees. Hold your hand like this. It would never have happened if I'd lived.' so it's good to die. You'll look after Ginger. Ginger for Pluck, dear old devil. Never have got here but for her. And Sally, good old Sally. Not a cattleman like her, countryside. The ghost of a smile flitted over his lips. If only... Recollection of McNabb came, banishing the peaceful happiness from his face. His eyes blazed. There was a momentary struggle for breath. And he fell back fighting for life. Then on a long sigh, he was still. Deirdre tried the brandy again. She called him. She felt for his heart. His head was very heavy on her knees. She stared down on the finely chiselled features so still upraised before her. Her tears rained over them. The quiet was unbroken but for Steve's crying like a child. Then Sally lying crouched against the door of the hut lifted her voice in a long mournful howl that told the shrouded hills and all the creatures of them that the soul of her master long conal conal the fighter had passed on chapter forty four